Never give up, never lose touch of your center, oh, of your center. That's what today's podcast is all about, no matter what. And shout out to my friends in Bellingham, Washington for that little ditty. You know who you are. Welcome to Inner Journey Podcast, an effort toward mental, emotional, and spiritual relief during the COVID-19 quarantine. My hope is that it helps us to practice being with our own suffering, relate to other people's experience, learn from their wisdom, and even sit with the suffering of others without having to fix it. The word compassion is the word today. Compassion is the Spanish translation. Its Latin root is pati, which means to suffer, and the prefix com means with. To cultivate a sense of compassion is to learn to be with suffering, yours and others, and I'm finding that a deep presence filled with love and one-pointed attention with maybe an ability to relate when appropriate. These are effective ways to create a space of healing during this time. The piece I'm about to share is taken from a poem called The Fruits of Practice, and I think it's a perfect fit for today. It's by a writer and yoga teacher for over four decades named Donna Faltz. The Fruits of Practice. Despite fervent pleas for ease and safety, there are many days when reality doesn't quite line up with what I'd choose. Breakdown. Letting go. Surrendering even the illusion of control. Breathing into the unknown. That is what life holds. Practice hasn't brought an end to pain. I still increase my suffering like a fish caught on a line. My struggles only draw the hook in deeper. But being in reality is its own reward. It's the perfect paradox, the courage to stand and breathe when everything in me wants to flee is as great a gift as the freedom to seek retreat. That's a wonderful setup for some really important yoga sutras for this time we find ourselves in. Whether you're into yoga philosophy or not, these sutras relate to you because you are human and you have a mind that can be trained. If it's not, it manically, drunkenly, or idly stumbles into its own heaven or hell or begs for constant numbing or distraction makes the practice of training the mind more appealing when I look at it that way. If you are into yoga philosophy but don't know about the book, The Yoga Sutras, the word sutra means thread, and the book has 196 of these threads, written by a sage named Patanjali in the classical age of yoga over 2,000 years ago. I'm specifically looking at Sutra 112, 13, and 14, but I'll bring in the help of other sutras as well, and stories, always stories, like this kid's story. There was once a mama stork carrying her eggs in her mouth across the ocean. Well, she had to sneeze, and they all dropped. She thought to herself, 
Okay, I'll just ask the ocean to kindly give them back. But the ocean was rude. He said, You were careless enough to drop your eggs, so now they belong to me. The mama bird wasn't having it. She told the ocean that she would get her eggs back no matter how long it took. And she started taking mouthfuls of water and spitting them out on the shore. At first, the ocean laughed. <laughs> but the mama bird continued without cease all day, every day. After a few weeks, the ocean started to worry and swell. He thought to himself, Oh no, if she keeps at this for long enough, she may empty me. And so he gathered a big wave that started at his floor and gathered the eggs and this long wave that carried the eggs safely to the shore. To work with the mind, we need to have determination like that mama bird. There are many commentaries of Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, and the interpretation I'm sharing from today is by an author named Mukunda Stiles. Here are the sutras as he interprets them. 1. 12. The vacillating waves of perception are stilled through consistent earnest practice and non-attachment. 113. Of these two, practice is the continuous struggle to become firmly established in the stable state of the true self. And 114, that practice is indeed firmly grounded when it is pursued incessantly with reverence for a long time. And just in case you need a bit more detail and explaining, I'll share what I know. Those vacillating waves of perception in Sanskrit are called chitta vritti. The word chitta means mind stuff, and vritti means wave, fluctuation, or vacillation. These mental waves as identified by the sutras are correct perception, misconception, imagination, sleep, and memory. The fluctuations can be klista, or afflicted and painful, or aklista, non-afflicted and painless. I've mentioned before on this platform and elsewhere that the practice of yoga is a process of steadying these waves of mind and entering into a state that is called niroda in Sanskrit, where the mind is steadied and the witness within the practitioner is revealed. Or in Sanskrit, tadadrastu swarupe vasthanam. One way these vacillating waves of perceptions are steadied is through the combination of two qualities called abhyasa and viragya. Abhyasa is consistent practice in earnest. The practice in this case is whatever practice brings the person back to the true self and away from the identification with a story. It's good to start with a story that's particularly painful or one that's not helpful to your life at all. Pick something 
like the story that says, I will never get a job, or the one that says I'll never recover from trauma, or that people are only terrible. And practicing when that mental vacillation happens and you notice it, bringing attention back to the breath or to another equal possibility or to a mantra that uplifts and is true. The practice should not be a spiritual override. It should not overlay a positive reality, but rather bind the mind's consciousness with concentration or drop the mind into the neutral intelligence of the breath. Viragya is non-attachment toward the fruits of the practice. It is the spirit of letting go, of relinquishing the illusion of control. It's not a giving up as much as a non-clinging. I think of the edge that is that space of neither hoping for the best nor expecting the worst but leaving space for what is to be and learning to rest in that space, essentially feeling the tension soften and letting patience be a resting space. This should not be thought of as an end itself, but remembered as a balancing force to the effort of Abhyasa. Of the two, practice is the continuous struggle of craving a steady mind recognizing when we have a steady mind, recognizing when we've lost mental stability and striving to return to being established in the stable state of the true self that is found through mental stability. The letting go is the rest after striving, the period of integration that may let the dust that's been stirred up from effort settle. The practice of effort and detachment becomes firmly established when grounded in devotion over a long period of time. This firmly established practice is in Sanskrit called sadhana. During quarantine, I think, is the perfect time to begin training the mind if you haven't already begun. Your shit is coming up, I know mine is. You may suffer, or notice that numbing out or constantly distracting yourself only works for a little while until the mind is back to spinning its stories that keep you asleep, separate from others, or a victim. It's important when doing this work to know your nature. If you're more of an intellect, the practice may be reading poetry, scripture, or practicing concentration technique. If you're more passionate or emotional, it may be the practice of mantra meditation, singing, or dancing. Light work is also a good possibility. And most certainly we're finding ways to navigate relationships with others and managing stress creatively when we're in quarantine with others, or really all the time. In that spirit, I'll share the story from classical yoga folklore. It was of a woman who sold fish and a woman who sold flowers. They became friends and the fish merchant invited the flower merchant over to her house. They lived far away from one another 
and after a lovely dinner and good conversation well into the night, the fish merchant offered her spare bedroom to the flower merchant, and the flower merchant gratefully accepted. As she lay back in the comfortable bed, however, she was kept awake by the smell of fish pervading the fish lady's house. Remembering she had some leftover jasmine flowers in her purse, she took them out, put them next to her nose on the pillow, and fell fast asleep. Because the time was so fun and nice, the next week the flower merchant invited the fish merchant to her house to share a lovely meal with some homemade lavender ice cream for dessert. Well, they so enjoyed their time that before long it was late again and the flower lady offered up her couch to the fish lady to sleep. Gratefully accepting, the fish lady lay back happy and exhausted, but could not fall asleep with the smell of flowers permeating the air until she remembered she had some pungent catfish left over in her purse, took it out, laid it right next to her nose on her pillow, and soon fell into a deep sleep. I hope you enjoyed that story. I hope you'll practice training the mind in earnest to cultivate awareness and ease suffering. And since I don't have a guest on this episode, I hope you'll jam out to this song. Till next time, 13 thank yous and honey in my heart for listening. Feeling 
Love's change, feelings change. Love's change, love's change. Love's change. Thoughts change, love remains. Thoughts do change, love remains. Thoughts do change, love remains. Thoughts change, love stays. Love stays, love stays, love stays, love stays. Love Love stays, love stays. 